0: You are listening to the Twelve Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit TwelveStone.com. Now, enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers. Remember. All right. Let's get prepped for Easter. I am in the mood. Not a word was heard. At the tomb that day, just shuffling soldiers' feet, as they guarded the grave. One day, two days. How many more days? Three days had passed.
1: Could it be that Jesus had breathed his last? Verse two, Cam. Could it be that his
0: father had forsaken him? No, no, it couldn't be. Turn his back on his son. What? Despising our sin, all hell seemed to whisper. Shh. Just forget it. He's dead. It's me. Then the father looked down to his son. And what did he say to him?
2: Travis slays me, man. Don't you know there's something slightly off, something wrong about Travis? I mean, I, you keep hoping the man's gonna get hell. He's standing right back there. You, I, Travis, I keep hoping you're gonna get right and then you don't, but we're so glad you don't, because you just make it all kinds of fun. Well, Travis had plans for how to get here at Easter. I think that was for you, Travis. I think you got a couple fans. It's a couple fans. Well, he had plans to get here to Easter, it didn't quite work out, but we're glad all your plans worked out to get here today. Welcome to Easter at 12 Stone. Across the campuses online, so delighted you're here. I'm telling you, it's already been a good day, but God has a good day in store for our time. And we've all made plans. Let's just be fair to Travis. We've all made plans that have fallen through, Right? I mean, just hands up if you've ever made plans and had them fall through, whether it's been in work or finance or business or vacation, of course, we make plans. In fact, Marsha and I experienced plans falling through when we got married right at our honeymoon because the plan was to go from Michigan to Pennsylvania, the Pocono Mountains. This is going to be awesome. But I had never really traveled outside of Michigan driven on my own. And I, yeah, I'm just turned 21, just got our first car, I'd be like, hey, we'll just go to the Pocono Mountains and follow the road signs. I didn't even bring a map. I'm like, how hard can it be, baby? So you sure? Oh yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, I know the destination, <laughs> I just didn't have a good plan. We literally got out of Michigan, got to the next state. I saw the sign to go to the next big city, 70 miles to the next big city. Great. And I'm following the road signs. It got a little complicated. And after an hour, I passed the same identical sign, 70 miles to the next city. I was going in circles. I was lost. I was so frustrated. I woke Marsha up, who had been sleeping the whole time. I woke her up, and I said, we are lost, and you're not helping. Because, you know, when you get married, that's what you do. You got somebody now to blame. Of course, that reflects my immaturity, and she's grown me up since then. So we'll celebrate 37 years uh, this summer that she's hung out with me, and we've been together, and it's awesome. By the way, this, I, I just, I just want to take a, a moment on the side. This is a bit of a special day uh, for Marsha and I, for our family, uh, because the man who gave her away to me, her dad, Bill Cliff, um, has decided to visit, hang on, has, has visited with us this weekend, and his first wife, Marsha's mom, uh, went to heaven three, four years ago, and he has brought his fiance to be with us, and I want to embarrass them. I'm going to ask my father-in-law, Bill Cliff, and his fiance Dolores, to stand. Would you stand? Would you all welcome them uh, to 12 Stone? So... Imagine, love you guys, love you dad, Dolores, such a delight to meet you and such a wonderful woman. Imagine how difficult to be him in the day when I said, I want your daughter. I mean, what a disappointment when he meets me, right? You're like, man, I had more. He's like 6'3". Can you imagine? I mean, I just, I had to greet him and all that he had to put up with. Family. We all make plans And, and, and then sometimes those plans fall apart in any area of life. We knew the destination, we just didn't have a good plan. And that begs the question of Easter. What is your plan? Let me just put it right in front of you. What is your plan to get to where, everybody? Heaven. Say it with me. What is your plan to get where? To heaven. What's your plan to get to heaven? See, God tells you that you were created by him and for him. And that sin separates you from God. So what's your plan to get over sin. What is your plan to be restored to God? What is your plan to get to heaven? We all make plans. How are you going to get there? And this is God's plan. God's plan is in Jesus. Say it with me. In Jesus. Say it again. Everybody cross campuses online. What is it? In Jesus. God remembered us and forgets our sin. In communion. Say it with me in communion. And by the way, when I say across the campuses and online, I'm talking to all of y'all. See, I'm from the north, I learned how to do southern. All y'all in the cafe theater. In fact, I was over there greeting a bunch of people coming in the cafe theater and the whole overflow, et cetera. You're part of all this. So when I said, y'all say this with me, that includes you. So now everybody, online, across campuses, cafe theater, what is this first line right here? In communion. We'll unpack that. It has a lot to do with Easter. In communion, we remember Jesus and are freed from sin. So today, we're going to unpack highlights of the Easter story. And alongside, we're going to put the story of Nick and Amanda. It's a great faith journey story. In fact, it even involves Amanda's mom, Denise, and her stepdad, Glenn. Listen in on part one of their story.
0: We were dating and going to 12 Stone and we knew we were meant for each other. Then when we got married, we actually blended uh, almost the Brady Bunch. I have two boys, Ryan Mitchell. She had two wonderful girls, Renee and Amanda.
1: My mom and my stepdad Glenn pioneered Bethlehem campus. They felt the calling to go and, and help lay the groundwork for this new area. My sister lived out here, I moved out here, and they lived in Tequila, so it's right down the road. I think my mom used Bethlehem campus as a way to reel us in and be like, listen, it's right by your house, you don't have an excuse not to come anymore. (laughs) So while I grew up in the church, by the time I was in high school, I hadn't really abandoned my faith, but I was far from God.
0: I took Denise to the Gwinnett ER last night for her stomach pains. We're expecting gallbladder issues. On the CT scan, a mass was detected in her large intestine. She will be in surgery tomorrow at 1245. So please pray for her and the doctors. She's in good spirits, but this has scared us all.
3: My very first Sunday as Bethlehem campus pastor, uh, I got to meet Glenn, and he was serving on the parking team. A couple weeks later, we moved into Appalachie High School, and that's when I met Denise. She was my kind of person. We just didn't take ourselves too seriously, and that's just the kind of
0: lady she was. Todd is our pastor is just wonderful. Genuine, I just love him to death. The liver biopsy was confirmed to have cancer cells. No results back on the mass that was in the large intestine, but the surgeon said, if it's in the liver, then the mass will also be positive. This means that we're looking at stage four colon cancer.
3: On a Sunday in uh, the summer of 2017, Jason Berry actually taught on audacious prayers, big, bold prayers coming out of the book of Joshua. We can pray audacious prayers. Just like Joshua, there are things in our world that feel out of our control. There are places that it feels like the sun's setting and God's telling us, you can bring this stuff to me. At the end of the service, I stood up before the congregation. I said, you know, what's a big audacious prayer that you're begging God for? Well, after the nine o'clock, Denise was out in the lobby. We were kind of talking, and then all of a sudden there was a space in the moment where she just said, hey, you know what my audacious prayer is? And I said, well, I think I, I have an idea. I mean, I'm assuming it's about the cancer. And she said, no, actually, it's about my son-in-law, Nick. My audacious prayer is that he'll say yes to Jesus. That's what I'm begging God for.
4: My name is Nick Sarabia. Uh, I met my wife roughly 10 years ago. Uh, we were both working at Mimi's Cafe up at the Mall of Georgia, and I just remember seeing her for the first time, kind of walk in. She had her hair up in a ponytail she kind of caught my eye and I was like, oh, she's kind of cute, but we were both in relationships at the time, so we we always kept it strictly platonic.
1: When we both became single, it was like, oh, well, we've kind of been flirting this whole time anyways, let's just date. And so I was 19 when we officially started dating, and uh, I think he was 22.
4: I grew up quasi-Catholic. During the summer, I would go and spend time in Texas with my dad and my grandmother, who happened to be super Catholic. Uh, We were there every Sunday but it didn't really click with me at the time it was a lot of he would say something in latin i don't know what this man is saying to me and then peace be to you on you know unto you as well that whole thing so i kind of went through the motions without really understanding church for us wasn't a regular thing amanda would go every once in a while but we kind of just were living for ourselves
1: even Starting Bethlehem campus, I still wasn't super interested. And it really wasn't until we had our son that I was interested in actually going for myself and not to appease my mother.
3: I had the opportunity to go to the hospital and spend some time with her and Glenn. She was in and out of consciousness. I really didn't even think she was with me. And so I began to pray and at one moment I looked to her and and I said, Denise, I, I haven't forgotten about Nick. And um, I said, I promise to continue to pray for him, for you. I prayed over her for healing, if that's what God wanted, or for her to go to heaven and to meet this Jesus that she's been worshiping. It was a sweet moment for
0: me. December the 29th of 2017, Denise went to heaven. She was thrilled. (laughs) No more pain no more sorrow, just running to Jesus and just holding him and crying in tears of joy. She's good. She's good.
2: I mean, when the man just, the man lost his wife to cancer. Maybe you didn't hear what he said, so, so what he said is she's good. Tell your neighbor, because they might not be paying attention. Just tell your neighbor, she's good. Tell your neighbor now, she's good. I mean, why why on earth do you say, say she's good? Well, she's good because she trusted God's plan to get to heaven. God made a map. God made it possible through Jesus. And she said yes to Jesus. And therefore, listen, listen, therefore, her audacious prayer was not foremost, heal me from physical cancer. Because she knew that God could, and if God wouldn't, it'd be awesome. But she ultimately knew that God would heal her in heaven. And therefore, she could be about the things that are most important that matter. And that was the salvation of Nick. That mattered most. Her hope that her daughter, Amanda, would really come back to fully following Jesus and be in fellowship. That really mattered. See, how are you going to get to heaven? That was answered by Jesus. Luke 22, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired, now that's an interesting phrase, we'll come back to that, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I what, suffer, he's about to suffer, see this is the, this is the night before his crucifixion, and he knows what's coming, And before he suffers, he eagerly desires. We'll make sense of that. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took bread, like physical, literal bread, and he gave thanks. And then he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Like literally the bread now becomes a symbol. The breaking of the bread becomes symbolic of his body Breaking for us. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance. Say that word. Do this in what church? Remembrance of me. I want you to remember this. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus says there are things you need to remember. Now you can imagine if you're one of the disciples, you're thinking, what do you mean remember? How are we going to forget? I mean, we, we, We've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. We've been with you 24-7 for the last three years. We've listened to your teaching all these years. What do you mean, remember? How could we forget? Hang on. But Jesus knows our propensity to forget the things we need to remember. See, we can forget we were created by God and designed to live forever. And we can live as if earth is everything. And we start living for this place as if it's most important. We care more about being cured of physical cancer than the cancer of sin. When you forget. See, Jesus knows we can get caught up in ambition, accomplishment, and accumulation. He knows that we can get lost in our own struggles and suffering or setbacks. He knows that we can be in the pursuit of happiness and fun and pleasure, and it can so overtake us that really what happens is we forget the most important things in life. That's possible for all of us. Any one of us can forget. And in the midst of that, there's a couple of things you need to remember. In fact, I put this in your teaching notes. So cross campus online, over cafe theater, listen, you got teaching notes, pull them out, put them in front of you. There's a pen underneath your chair. You picked one up on the way in. Jot this down, because this is a couple of things from Easter we need to remember. Number one, the cross says you are worth dying for. The cross says you are worth what, church? Dying for. Second thing you need to remember: the empty tomb gives you something worth what, everybody? Living for. Let's unpack them both. The cross says, you are worth dying for. You're worth dying for. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself the question, what is my worth? You maybe have wondered about it. And, and to be honest, most of the time, that's, that's in when we're young. And, when, and maybe in our teen years. And we, then we pretend that you never wrestle with self-worth anymore in life. <laughs> that's not true. But I've been pretty honest. Uh, through the years here at 12 stone, that uh, when my parents uh, divorced, when I was uh, going into middle school, uh, the, the breakdown of our family and my dad's distance and him communicating that I don't matter um, messed me up. And only in later adulthood, could I find the words to, to see that that seemed to like put a hole in my psyche. And that early on in life, uh, I was just driven to prove myself. And it took a long time before uh, God ever settled in my soul that my worth is not found in my earthly father. Uh, It's found in my heavenly father. By the way, that should have got like an amen or something. That was really good. That's stuff you're supposed to set in your soul. See, a whole bunch of us live in a world that tells us your worth is knit with your net worth. And we chase it. And we think our worth is is tied to our social affirmation of other people. We got on social media, I get enough likes, oh, I'm worth more. We got a lot of ways. Listen, you know why this is important? Because wherever you find your self-worth, that's what you chase first. Now, let me just back up. I'm not going after my earthly father. Man, he had his own baggage and stuff coming through life. He and I had been estranged for, for 40 years. No, no real conversation. But I told you at 12 Stone that at the beginning of 2019, God was incredibly gracious and helped me and my dad. And we've restored our relationship. By the way, this is the first Easter I have ever given my dad a happy Easter greetings. And we've exchanged them first time in 40 years, which we're like, only God can restore. Only God can restore. But listen, but, that, but I'm not, I can't tie my worth to my earthly father. I tie it to my heavenly father. And, and Jesus said, I eagerly desire. And what does that mean? I eagerly desire to suffer. Why? Because you're worth dying for. Let, let, let's go to Hebrews. This might help you. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on who, everybody? Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him. There it is again, that eagerly, that what? For the joy, for the what? Joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross. This is the Easter stuff. What did he endure? He endured the cross. Think about that. I mean, really close friend betrayed him one of the 12. And then really eventually they all denied him or walked away. And the crowd turned on him, the very people he helped heal, love and shepherd. You imagine that? And then with trumped up lying charges, false charges, he's indicted, treated like a criminal. And oh, they beat him. He broke his body, and they whipped him, and spit on him, and humiliated him, and they put a crown of thorns, just pushed it into his skull, and then they nailed him on the cross. Do you even understand such pain and anguish? I don't get that. I'll never understand. I pray that kind of suffering. And it says, He did all that for the joy set before Him. He endures all that for the joy. What was the joy? You. You. <laughs> you are the joy. Denise is the joy. Glenn was the joy. Amanda's the joy. Nick is the joy. Their kids are the joy set before him. You are the joy set before him. Your kids, your family, me, us. Jesus made possible what was impossible for all of us. Sometimes it's described this way uh, to try and help us get a picture that we as sinful people because of sin. There's a chasm between us and a holy God and we have no way to cross it, which means we're facing eternal death. That's what we're headed for. No hope of heaven, but God has eternal life. And that's only possible through Jesus. Through who? Jesus, who gave his life on the cross to bridge the way. And it was through his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, that makes it possible for us to cross over from death to life. This is this amazing love of God for us. Let's go on in the story, Luke chapter 24. Grab your Bibles across the campuses. They're right underneath your chair here. Or or, or maybe if you're using a mobile device, if you're in the cafe theater, get a Bible. Any of the campuses, get a Bible. If you're using a worship center Bible, we're in Luke chapter 24, it's page 1060, page 1060. If you're on a mobile device, Luke chapter 24. Here we go. Now Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried. He's in the tomb. Verse 1 of chapter 24 of Luke, page 1060. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes were with that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, insert angels, in their fright, I'll bet they were, in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? What a statement. Why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? He's living. That was the point. See verse 6, he is not here. He has what, church? Risen. He has what, church? Risen. Then he says again, remember Ah, uh, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified and on the third day be raised again and then they what? remember because listen we can all forget the most important things we need to remember They knew this, and they forgot, and now they remembered. In fact, they ran back and told the other disciples, and when they told the other disciples, they said, quit coming, and Peter comes running and looks looks in and sees that that Jesus is not in the tomb, just the linens there that that, that wrapped his body, And, and now he's wondering about it. Why? Because they had forgotten the most important things they needed to remember. They had forgotten that the cross is the payment, and the empty tomb would be the receipt, that God had accepted the sacrifice of Jesus and made it possible for us to move from Death to life. Think of it this way the bad in us, the sin. If you will, the, the soul cancer is laid on Jesus, and all the good in Jesus gets transferred to us. Let me say it another way. You are spiritually soul bankrupt. Like you got a $22 trillion moral debt before God. I picked $22 trillion because I know it's never going to be paid back. It happens to be roughly our national debt. We all know that isn't getting being paid back. So here's what I know. If you have a $22 trillion debt before the living God, and that is your soul, Soul debt. You really going to pay that off to get to heaven? I mean, we do these little trinket good works like, what is a few pennies against 22 trillion? But thanks be to God, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he paid off 22 trillion for me and for you so that we can go to heaven and have eternal life. That's the power of him rising from the dead. You got to get a hold of the size of what God was doing for us. See, that's why it says in your notes in the second place, the empty tomb gives you something worth what? Living for. Can you, listen, imagine, imagine the disciples going to the tomb. Listen, you know what would have been the most frightening thing? I mean, the ladies were frightened when they saw the angels. I would have been frightened too, and so would you. Don't kid yourself. But you know what would have been the most frightening thing? To get to the tomb and have Jesus' body there. Because that would mean that death won. That would mean that the grave conquered Jesus. But Jesus conquered the grave. And we have no fear of death. Come on now. You can't. Listen, if you don't get excited about it, because you don't understand what's in play. And that's all right. That's why we're talking about it. So you understand what is your plan to get to heaven. It's a really important question for you. And that's God's plan. See, Denise... She's good, because God had a plan. And she longed for her daughter, Amanda, to get back to fully following Jesus. She had an audacious prayer for Nick to come to Jesus. And that brings us to part two of their story. Listen in.
1: My faith really jumped off after my mom passed. I wanted kind of my husband to be on that same page with me, but I didn't want to push him. So I just gently inviting and he would come, you know, some Sundays and it was more just to make me happy.
4: I would go every once in a while. My wife's going and she she would like it if I go with her. So I did.
3: In February, 2018, uh, we purchased the property where Bethlehem campus is going to be built. The prayer team came to me and said, hey, we've got this property. We'd like to put some stones. Uh, out on the property where people can come with Sharpies and write their prayer requests on the stones. And, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so we, uh, once a month, we gather out there and pray together. The idea is that we would just write our prayer requests out and lay them before the Lord. And it's a pretty sweet picture when you roll up on the property and you see all these stones throughout. I drove out to the property. I was by myself. I just picked up a stone, and I began to write on it for my friend Nick. And on the backside of that stone, I actually wrote Deeds, which is Denise's nickname, and placed that stone there on the property for her, because I know that that would have been the first stone she would have written.
1: I was always afraid to pray for Nick's salvation because I prayed for my mom's healing, and that didn't happen. I was worried about what it would happen to my faith if I prayed for my husband's salvation and I didn't see it on my timeline.
3: Amanda serves on our volunteer team on Monday nights when we do the how-to experience. And the how-to experience is is just a three-week class that we offer and helping people take next steps if they're interested in growing deeper in their faith.
1: I kind of invited him with the sense of, we could use some help. But really, I kind of
4: just wanted him to be there. <laughs> she walked up and she's like, I didn't dupe you into doing this. Don't think that I tricked you to come here and do this by yourself. And I said, no, really, it's okay. I don't mind, you know, I'm not gonna bail out. I'll stick around. And next thing I know, Nick's like sitting at a table engaging in conversation. You know, I went in with a completely open mind, open heart, and I was like, I'm gonna listen intently and I'm gonna see if it speaks to me at all. And then by the end of it, when they pass the cards around with the two boxes that you can check, One of them being, yes, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. And the other one being, I'm ready to be baptized. You know, I I put my pen down on the box and I went to make a check mark and I didn't. I put my pen down and I did it once again, thought about it, put the pen down. And by the third or fourth time, something from within just tell me, you know, you know what man, go for it. And I picked up the pen the final time and I checked the box. I picked up the card and I almost didn't believe it. You know, like it was just like,
3: like what just happened? Like did, did this really come true? And I, I just got super emotional, man. I mean, when you pray for over a year for, for God to do something, it it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. So a couple days later, I invited Nick to meet me at Chick-fil-A and we sat across the table and I said, so tell me about you saying yes to Jesus. And he said, I've questioned long enough. I think I just need to jump in. And at that moment, I got to take the rock out from the property. I took it out of my pocket, which was really difficult to hide. And I just put it on the table there. And I said, dude, I've been praying for you for over a year. And God just made this happen in your life. And um, we're with you. And we're going to continue to be with you, man.
0: We'd always pray for all of our kids. But... Um... She just wanted Nick to see Jesus.
1: I had no idea what my mom had said to Todd. I didn't hear that story until Nick told it to me when he got home from Chick-fil-A with with Todd. While my mother was not healed on this earth, she is sitting in heaven with God, happy as can be. She wouldn't want to come back for anything, especially knowing that her passing and the influence it had on my faith and the people around me influenced Nick a lot. I think our future shines a little brighter. I can talk to Nick more about things. We can connect more on a personal level because his faith aligns with mine, and it didn't before. And so that has impacts in our marriage. We go to church and we talk about what we learned on Sunday, and we talk about our small group experiences. And um, I come home from school sometimes, and he's reading his Bible, and I'm like, who are you? Like, (laughs) in a good way.
0: Denise didn't get healed, but she did. She really did. Just to know That Nick and he's gonna be in heaven would just totally thrill her to death. And I can just picture that smile. But her legacy continues and will always continue um, through her prayers.
2: Yeah, not a great story of Nick. When you finally say, I'm done, I'm done questioning, it's just time to jump in and say yes to Jesus. And so Nick celebrated figuring it out. What is your plan to get to heaven? Well, here's what Nick said. I finally figured out I don't have a good plan. I don't have a good map. It's going to take Jesus. And, and what, did, what did he do when he said yes to Jesus? He moved from eternal death to life. He trusted Jesus. He knew it took the body and the blood of Jesus Christ to pay his sin debt, his $22 trillion, and say yes to Jesus, I'll follow you. He moves from death to life. No wonder that's a great celebration. See, it brings us right back to God's answer because it's God's plan. In Jesus, in who? Jesus, God remembers us and forgets our sin. In communion, we remember Jesus and are freed from sin. See, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And what was he doing? He was symbolizing through what would be called communion, the Lord's Supper. They both mean the same thing, what he was about to do. Then on Easter, he gave his life, three days later rose from the dead, and this became the sacrament of the church. That's why in the writings of the church, like in 1 Corinthians, You read this practice. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There you go, in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What do you mean proclaim the Lord's death? You proclaim that I depend on God's plan, God's way, God's means to get to heaven. Through Jesus, I'm forgiven of my sin. So, when the bread is ripped and torn, it reminds us that the body of Jesus was broken and torn for us. When you dip it in the juice, it reminds us that the blood of Jesus was spilled and poured out to pay our sin debt. You know, I I don't know what mistakes you've made. I know everyone won't forgive you. I know we all carry regrets in life. The longer you live, the more you tend to carry. Sometimes it's even hard to forgive yourself. But here's what I do know. God will forgive you of everything. Of what, church? Church everything. Say it with me. Of what? Everything. I mean, it should blow your mind. 22 trillion of sin sitting in my soul gets forgiven by the body and the blood of Jesus. No wonder the church celebrates communion. I mean, there's no other way to get to heaven. I don't know what your plan is, but I can tell you this, it isn't going to work. There's only one way. And how did Nick settle that? Well, he offered something of a prayer that reflected his heart in light of the truth that Jesus offered. I'm going to give you an example. Let's put a prayer on the screen. And across the campuses and online, however you're listening to this or watching, I want to invite you to say the prayer with me. For many of us, that's, that's what settled that we cross from death to life. For some of you, you've never offered this prayer, and we're going to read it aloud. And and it may or may not become your prayer, but I know for some of you, this is going to be your day of yes to Jesus. And so you listen, and you share this prayer, and you read it, and you start to receive it in your soul. This is what he did, and this is how your sins are forgiven. Jesus made it possible. So whether it's your prayer or not, I want us to read it all out. We're a family. We, we, We do things together. But I believe for many of you, this will be your day to say yes. But let's read the prayer across campuses aloud together. Read it with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, as I remember you through communion here today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to be my Savior and my Lord. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you, live with you, love you, and follow you through your word. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin and making me a new person in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what Nick prayed because Jesus made that possible. So the question is really in great part, where are you? Are you going to say your yes to Jesus? See, when Nick said he checked the box and it took him a few moments, and finally it's He's just settled. It's time to say yes. To say what, everybody? Yes to Jesus. That, and maybe you're more like Nick. Listen, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before in your life. You're, you're online, or you're at one of the campuses, or you're here among us. You're at a cafe theater, and, and just an awareness that God is revealing to you like he did to Nick. This is not only the truth, but this is your only hope. You've never said yes to Jesus, and today is your day to make that prayer your prayer. Maybe you're more like Amanda. Maybe your yes is, I'm coming back to Jesus. Remember, she said, I hadn't really lost all my belief. I was just far from God, out of fellowship. In fact, Nick said we were living for ourselves. You know, maybe you keep calling yourself Christian, but the truth is you're not even close to living. Like when you're out of fellowship, maybe today is the time you come back to Jesus. So in a moment, I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. We're going to do something that's so cool. I don't think we've ever done this before for Easter. But today, we're going to celebrate your yes to Jesus with communion. Literally say yes to Jesus and then partake in communion. Literally, you'll come and break the bread and you'll dip it in the juice, and, and when you eat it, what you're doing is saying, I'm depending on Jesus, today is my yes. And listen, communion today is not for everyone. Hear me, it's not for everyone. That's next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're gonna celebrate communion across all the church and the campuses. The week after Easter, is gonna be a wonderful celebration. But today is communion for just two people, people who are more like Nick or more like Amanda. And this is maybe the day you finally say yes to Jesus, and this would be your first communion as saying yes to Jesus. Maybe, maybe this will be your first communion, like in Amanda, having come back to Jesus. Oh, he's it all. Come on, let's
0: sing it. And now the darkness fades the newbie